Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's War Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. And welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name, it's just Chris Sims, and with me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm doing okay. How are you? It's September. 
It, it is. That's a, there's not a lot for me to go on there, Matt, because that's just a fact. <laughs> you you yeah. asked me a question, and then you said a semi-unrelated fact. I thought maybe your mood would have to do with maybe the weather getting cooler, or the upcoming approach of Halloween. That shit hadn't happened yet, buddy. Oh, the weather getting cooler part. The weather is yeah. not, I mean, well, I mean, time is linear as far as we know. But yeah, the weather has not gotten No, 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 I'm not. We're not doing we're not. We're not doing it, buddy. All right, we won't do it. But happy September, everybody, and uh welcome to the show. We have a fun one for you this week. It's Thursday Raw Thursday, is what it is. It sure is. You may not know this, but there was an episode of Monday Night Raw that I aired on a Thursday that was called Thursday Raw Thursday. <laughs> They did not want you to not know that it was coming out on Thursday. The funniest name for a special episode of Raw, maybe ever. Was that was that a dog show or like a Wimbledon? One or the other. One or the other. Yeah. Oh, dog show will get you if you're a wrestling fan. It was in February. So the dog show is usually like November, right? I don't know. I think I think so. It's been it a while. Was a- it was in February, so I don't know. I, uh, I There's a Wikipedia page that's just called List of WWE Raw Special Episodes. Okay, hit me. What, what do you got? I mean, none of the other ones are as interesting. Like, a bunch of them are, like, old-school Raw. Those are always bad. Those are always exceptionally bad. Or Raw Roulette. Yeah. There was one called Raw Gets Rocked. Which was just the rock, or the rock came back. Yeah, the, for, the rock was there. Yeah. Uh, t- Slammy Awards, King of the Ring. There was one that was called Monday Night SmackDown. That's weird. Because I, I, do, I do not like that. Makes me feel like I'm in the hit television show Sliders. Well, this is interesting, actually. It was in 2010. Due to air travel disruption after the 2010 eruption of that volcano in, uh, I think it's in Norway? Yeah, I remember that. Most of the Raw roster remained in Belfast after a European tour and was replaced by the SmackDown roster. I remember that. Yeah. Well, this is kind of a dead end. Yeah, nothing is as good as Thursday Raw Thursday, which is what this episode is. Correct. Uh, we're going to be ranking the rawest moments in, in comics history once again. We are adding to our list of incredibly raw moments. That's right. But before we get to that, Chris, we do have some business to take care of. The first bit of business, as always, is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people, as you know, that have all gone down to 649 Gimmick Street, and you know what's there. Well, we missed some of the more recent spots on Gimmick Street. There must be like not empty lots, but some some nondescript things at those addresses. It's actually, I mean, first of all, thank you for prolonging this bit that only I enjoy. <laughs> I do want to thank you for that. Second of all, um, it's it's weird because it's actually water. It's all it's all water. Oh, so it's yeah. like there's like a lake. Yeah, there's like a lake there. 
on either side of the road. They, the yeah. ro- there's a bridge. There's a bridge. There is a bridge. That goes over the lake. It goes over the lake, but there is actually one address in the lake. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's an island. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's well, what it's called when there's an address in the lake, is the, an island. Gotcha. Well, yeah. obviously, what's at 649 is the bait and tackle shop. Matt, you can't let me set it up, and then you say something, because now I got a, I got a no-but you. <laughs> okay. I set up this whole thing where there was a lake, and then I said, oh, but there's one place. I mean, I guess you were yes-ending, but I had something in mind. Okay, I, well, I was trying to help, but go, please, please. Go well, I think, the, I think the bait and tackle shop is actually like on the bridge. It's like one of those, like uh, on the highway. There's like those little oases mm-hmm, on the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those. But underneath that, actually, at uh, six forty nine Gimmick Street, is uh, that's where Master Roshi lives. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, not really. Master Roshi's a weird freak. He is a he's a nasty freak. We decided uh, he, that the, the freak of the Dragon Ball Fighters roster is Master Roshi. Yeah, um, what's the weirdest thing about it is that he did choose that address because it was the closest he could get to 669 uh, Gimmick Street, which is where the porn store is. Right. Although I think there, there was an adult toy store. It's not too far away on Gimmick Street. Yeah, it's it's back a couple blocks. Hey, Patreon! is a great place to go uh, if you want to support the show. If you, like me, are one of the fast-dwindling demographics that enjoys this bit, uh, you can you can keep it going by going to patreon.com slash warrocketajax, kicking in as little as a dollar a month to help me and Matt keep making this show, make all our other shows, and uh, pay those gimmicks they keep sending on the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. And here are our newest Patreon supporters. Austin Wilden, aka WC Wit. Ah, I did. You know what? Did not know those were the same guy. Well, now you do. Now I do. Thank you, Austin. Austin. <laughs> uh, and Andrew Bilecki. Oh, thank you, Andrew. If you would like to be like Austin and Andrew and help us out here on the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and as chris said kick it as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we keep doing this show every week that we do every story ever which just went up last thursday the day we're recording this last thursday raw thursday that's right which was august 31st you can make sure that we do movie fighters and snack situation movie fighters is on strike along with the writers and actors because it's too hard to do the show and stay in line with not promoting big studio stuff. So movie fighters is currently on strike, but we'll do a snack situation soon. Uh, Comics catch up is also supported by your support on Patreon as a patron. You get every single one of those shows completely ad free. And uh, that is a cool thing to get. You can also get other cool stuff like bonus audio. Uh, We put up an hour of bonus audio of you and me in the car in Minneapolis on the way to and from Paisley Park. 
And we routinely put up other bonus audio of outtakes from the show and other stuff. And also there's bonus writing over there on the Patreon. Uh, Chris has been doing video game reviews that are all available there. And uh, I've written a couple things, but most of the writing over there on the Patreon is from Chris. Uh, You can also get physical rewards like t-shirts, the 2023 t-shirt. Chris, I brought one to you in Minnesota. You did, and they they, they are about this very episode that we are doing. They're raw, is what they are. There's some raw t-shirts, and raw, you can though. yeah, you can get one if you're at the t-shirt level of our Patreon. Uh, and then, maybe most importantly of all, line-stepping privileges for our segments, like Thursday Night Raw, and uh, the ongoing Every Story Ever. And if only if you are a uh, Patreon backer at the $10 level, are you allowed to uh, make fun of me for the way I pronounce Kane Marcos' codename? Juggernaut. I went to public school in South Carolina, man. Chris, now that we've thanked our Patreon supporters, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, you've had a busy time, an eventful few weeks. What do you have to check in with? I did. I had I had a, a busy couple of weeks uh, involving a, a work trip uh, that unexpectedly doubled in length. Uh, but I'll tell you what I did. I, I, I used that time productively. Did I did I read something that was on our list of things that we need to read to do the podcast? Nope, absolutely not. Not that productive. Tell you what I did read, Matt. All of Dragon Ball. Wow, wow, from the start. Well, I, I read all of Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, uh, from but from the start, yes. Impressive. I started back over. We have re- we we the two of us had read uh, the uh, the first volume and ranked it on the list. Uh, we weren't fans. Yeah, the the first volume made me say, you know what, I'm good. Yeah, it does stay kind of exactly that bad for quite some time. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. Yeah, uh, it's it it could. It never stops being like weird and pervy Uh in a way that I don't enjoy and that I don't believe you enjoy. I sure don't. Demonstrably, you and I are not into. Yeah. It gets a little less, uh, and I don't necessarily mind this, but it stays like very silly up through Dragon Ball. It is, I can absolutely see why when they, they did that new. You know, when the, the anime got that big revision of Dragon Ball Z, why they did that and why they changed it. Because it is a, it kind of becomes a very different book. Uh, I, I believe people had uh, recommended that you and I uh, start with like the, the 23rd World Tournament arc. Uh, the Tenkaichi Budokai. I know I'm not pronouncing that one right either. Uh, that, that is like, when it becomes just tournament arcs, it, that's pretty fun. That is pretty fun, I will say. But yeah, I got through all of Dragon Ball. I am into Dragon Ball Z now. I've read the Saiyan arc, and I'm in... Uh, I'm, I'm reading about Frieza now, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, which mm-hmm. are stories I have experienced in other media, but I have not experienced the uh, the original. This is 
part of my uh, ongoing uh, 2023 Akira Toriyama obsession. Right. That I'm in. Thanks so you're gonna to have to play. You have to play Chrono Trigger. I started it. Chrono Trigger. I did, good. I, I did in fact start Chrono Trigger. It's good. It's it's I mean it's pretty good. Yeah. It's kind of not what I want right now. So uh-huh. I have not continued it. I know people are mad at me. Because I think one time I was like, yeah, I might give Chrono Trigger a shot, and somebody was like, Yeah, Chris says he's gonna give one of the best video games ever made a shot. See if it's any good. <laughs> like, sorry, but it ain't Saints Row 3. So you know. Let's, let's slow your roll there, buddy. But no, uh, I, I did in fact start uh, Chrono Trigger, and it, it, it wasn't what I was in the mood for at the time. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, it's I'll, a it's a it's a sixteen bit era JRPG through and through, but it's it is the best one. So, for what it's worth, yeah, eat it, Final Fantasy VI. To my eye, and in my estimation, Chrono Trigger is better. My. My favorite recurring Tim Rogers bit. Can't even call it Final Fantasy three anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm 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 getting through Dragon Ball. I'm gonna read it all, Matt. I'm gonna read it all of it. It's it is very weird that when Goku goes Super Saiyan, that is so clearly meant to be an anime. Like it's not it's not that it's bad. And it's not that it's bad comics. Like, Toriyama is actually, like, really good at making comics. But it's so clearly meant to be in... It's so clearly meant to be animated. You in know? motion, yeah. 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 You, can, you can tell. Uh, but it's, it's very fun. That's where I am now. Goku just went Super Saiyan. He's fighting Frieza. Uh, so, yeah. I'm going to read it all. I'm going to find out about Broly. I'm going to find out about Super Baby 2. But you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta be on the planet Namek for a while first. You gotta be on Namek. Oh, N- Namek's about to get blown up, man. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Shit's going bad for old planet Namek. Here, can I, can I just, Matt? I, I, I know we're supposed to talk about what you're checking in with, but I do want to talk about Dragon Ball for a second. <laughs> if that's okay. Okay. Sure. You, you know, you know Shenron. Shinron. Uh, I'm dragon. sure if you... Oh, yes, yes, yes. The dragon that grants wishes, yes. Yeah, the dragon that grants wishes. So, did you know about how Namek has their own Shinron? Like, they have a different wish-granting dragon on the planet Namek? Mm, I, I don't know. Is it is it in the anime? It's Yeah, he's in the anime. Then I probably could could dig it out of my memory. Uh, I want... I want you and the listeners to do me and yourselves a little favor right now and just do a quick Google image search for Porunga. Oh, yeah. I remember this dragon. I remember this dragon. Yes. He's swole. Yeah. Akira Toriyama was like, man, I do like drawing dragons, but why don't dragons have abs? Why are <laughs> dragons just like ripped to shit? That's my question. Kira Toriyama, one of the greats, one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Porunga, the dragon with abs. Matt, what have you been up to this week? Well, Chris, I'll make mine brief. Last week on the show, uh, for folks that listened to it, um, I brought up the fact that all of my pants 
had just decided to fall apart at the same time. <laughs> and uh, literally, I had like three pairs of pants like rip within the course of a week. And uh, and Marlene was like, Matt, it's like, doesn't think he deserves pants. And so tons of people on the Discord were like, Matt, go buy pants. And I, I just want to assure them that I did. I went, I went to the outlets today, and I bought some some jeans at the J Crew. So, lay down your burden. Matt, I have you, new pants. You didn't have to go to the the outlet. Pants are one of those things that you have to have, Matt. You could you could buy yourself nice pants. It's okay. They are nice pants, but they were on the clearance rack. Because the only thing that makes me feel good is finding a deal. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I love to find a deal. I, more I, than anything. You and, I, you and I have that in common, but my yeah. uh, caveat to that is that I only on dumb shit for me. Finding a deal on clothes where I'm like, I got this for... $23 and all the suckers paid 60. God, it feels good. It feels good every time. Uh so that's what I did. I bought some pants. I did it today. <laughs> I'm Matt, I'm happy for you. Uh I I'm I'm glad Manscaped is not currently sponsoring the show, so I'm glad that you aren't in a position of 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 putting truth to our ads in of compromise. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, Chris, it's time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, uh, I'm going to recommend a video game to you, although I am going to recommend it with a, uh, I, I guess a, a real world reservation, uh, because okay. I believe today it was announced that, uh, Volition had been shut down by their parent company, which is a huge bummer. As you know, as, as people know, if they've uh, been around a while, if they've read my stuff for a while, I think I literally just mentioned it not too long ago on this very episode. Uh, I am the Saints Row enjoyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a, uh, a Saints Row fan through and through. Uh, so when it finally hit Steam, you know I had to buy the Saints Row reboot. Saints Row 2023. The, right, yeah, the... The game that came out recently that was just called Saints Row. Yes, uh, that uh, yeah. was on PlayStation and uh, was available on PC through like the Epic Game Store, but was not on Steam. Like I had actually previously purchased it through Humble Bundle and had to like, you know, go hat in hand to some nice customer service person and be like, "Hi, I didn't read the thing that said this was just for." This is just for for Epic. I have a Steam Deck. Please, may I return it? Like a fool. <laughs> I had to base myself. I didn't. They were very nice about it. But uh, yeah, I finally got it. And I was worried because I could not tell from any... You know, I, I don't... I, I have given up on, like, watching trailers for video games or, or really paying attention to, like, pre-announcement stuff. Um, even for something like Zelda, you know, like I, I knew Tears of the Kingdom was coming out, but I didn't know until it was in my hands that you could build a car in it, you know? 
Uh, so I was worried because just judging from the box art, like I wasn't sure if it would capture uh, like what I liked about Saints Row, which is the kind of the the, the kind of irreverence and, and goofiness and over the topness that makes it so fun. Uh, like ha- like how Grand Theft Auto had a weird split after San Andreas and all the fun stuff went to Saints Row and all the stuff that sucked went into Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Uh, but having played it, Matt, I can tell you, buddy, it's a fucking Saints Row game. It's, it's, it's fun. It plays like a Saints Row game. It plays exactly like, you know, Saints Row 3. Uh, it has a, a pretty fun sense of humor. Uh, one of your, uh, one of your cronies, one of your sidekicks, has a full sleeve of breakfast tattoos that I want in real life. Like like bacon and eggs and toast? Waffles and syrup and milk and cereal and, and eggs and toast and bacon, yeah. Full yeah. sleeve of breakfast, man. I love it. <laughs> I had to pause it and I, I, I was like, AZ, hey, come here. Look at this. Look at this guy. Look at this hunk. Look at this hunk who loves breakfast so much. Oh, good stuff, buddy. Yeah, like, it's it it's very much a Saints Row game. And I was really, really getting into it. I'm really, really having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'm, I'm doing all the goofy side missions. Insurance Fraud is back, which was my favorite minigame uh, from uh, Saints Row 2 and 3. Uh, and, and then I knew it was going to be my wreck this week. And then, like, the Volition news came out, and I was just so bummed out, you know? But yeah. uh, good luck to anyone who did make this very, very good game uh, that I am enjoying, that I hope remains good for the rest of my playtime. Uh, and uh, hopefully, I, I hope it's not the last we see of Saints Row, but I definitely hope it's not the last we see of uh, the people who made this game uh, what it is. So, yeah, that is my recommendation. It's on Steam now if you want to. So, Deep Silver was the publisher through this game. Yes. But apparently Gearbox software has taken over the Saints Row IP since then. Okay. Maybe there will be more games. Who can say? 1, 2, and 3 were made by like THQ, I think, and then or, or, or published by THQ, and then THQ ended. So right. it seems like Saints Row has uh, some a weird string of bad luck. Yeah, uh, but I do love this game. And, and I mean, Gear, so. yeah, Gearbox is the the Borderlands company. Okay, so I mean, that explains a lot. Yeah, presumably they could maybe do something with Saints Row that would be. Worth they've got that. Uh, they've got that irreverent South Park humor. <laughs> <laughs> But I know you like. Oh, uh, yeah. It's my fave. Uh, Matt, what are you recommending to the people today? Well, Chris, we have recommended some videos by this YouTube personality uh, a few times in the past. And one thing that we both really enjoy, I think, is long YouTube videos about video games where we don't have to worry about suddenly 
they're trying to indoctrinate us, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend, I'm actually going to re- recommend a couple different types of videos, um, but I don't know that I'm actually recommending the second one I'm going to talk about because they're just for me. Okay. But the first one I'm going to recommend, I think, if you like the Fallout games and history, you should absolutely go watch this video. There's a video by uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais, who we've, as I mentioned, we've talked about his videos on YouTube uh, on the show before, where he he is a huge fan of the Fallout series, like to a degree that I didn't even really know about before having watched his other videos. And he had previously done a video, which I'm going to go back and watch, but I haven't watched yet where he like goes to the landmarks and locations from the early like obsidian developed fallout games and maybe fallout new Vegas. He he goes to all the places on the West coast that are in the fallout games. And I would like to go watch that video because I'm sure it's very interesting. But the one I have watched is the one where he goes to the East Coast and visits locations from Fallout 3, Fallout 4, and Fallout 76. Oh, cool. So he goes he goes to Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. area, Maryland and Virginia. He goes to Boston and the surrounding area. And he also goes to West Virginia for Fallout 76. And it's the most interesting tourism videos of those places because he's just trying to find the fallout in those areas of the country. So like he goes to like, you know, the Jefferson Memorial and he's like, it's a memorial, but it's not very fallout. And then he finds like an old abandoned army base that's covered in graffiti. And he's like, this shit is fallout. (laughs) So it's like, this very specific and very unusual type of tourism video. Um, the video itself is called the real life landscapes of fallout three, fallout four and fallout 76. Um, and it is over three hours long <laughs> and it is a mix of, you know, game footage with his own footage of the places he visited in, you know, these different parts of, the country and it's really cool like in some places in some instances he is actually finding the locations by name from the games because they are like based on real places and then in other instances he's just kind of finding an equivalent in the region of what is depicted in the game uh, but it's all like really fascinating and and interesting. And the way he contextualizes it all is is really good. So if you're looking for a three hour video to have on while you work during the day, which is what I do, like I'll find some video to put on as background noise while I work. Uh, this is a really good one. Uh, I have been watching the uh, the fallout video uh, while I work. So can confirm. Uh, which Fallout video? Uh, the 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 new, the very long one. Oh, the uh, a thorough look at Fallout. Yeah, yeah, that one is also good. But 
uh, I really, really recommend the kind of like video game tourism one. The other videos that I'm going to recommend are a set of videos. They're, they're a little weird. They're almost a, like a little bit like clinical, but they're exactly the content I want. Um, they're from a channel called Don Don RV. And they are enumerating all of the Berserk references in all of the From Software video games. <laughs> yeah, that's Bud. That is for you. Yes. That is FMO. That is FMW. Yes, it is. It is... Like, I, I kind of know these already, but it is cool in these videos to see confirmation that like yes the hunter's mark is exactly the mark of sacrifice from berserk and here they are side by side <laughs> do they uh do they also include the fact that uh when i played played uh, bloodborne and elden ring i was struggling struggler yeah struggler uh, just like the the enemy designs how the enemy designs reflect berserk like most interestingly of all the game that they found the least berserk homage in was dark souls 2 which is the one that hidetaka uh miyazaki did not direct because that dude fucking loves berserk he should listen Believe. to our podcast about Berserk, because that was a good episode. He should. He should. I bet he would enjoy it. That that dude loves Berserk. Uh, anyway, uh, definitely check out the Noah Caldwell Gervais video about finding Fallout locations. It's, it's a very fun time. With that, Chris, those are our checks and wrecks. It's time to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, you were very eager to talk about Immortal Hulk number one. I'm not. I'm sorry, Immortal Thor number one, which I'm very eager to hear about because it is the start of the Al Ewing run on Thor with the same sort of title as Immortal Hulk. Yeah, and Immortal Hulk was a in the way that. Uh, that the current uh, Hulk run is, it was like a horror book, like very, very creepy, very like body horror, very kind of like emphasizing the monstrousness of the, the Hulk. And I'm not, I would not think that you could do a similar approach with Thor uh, but then I wrote down, and this is kind of the entire reason that I wanted to make sure to talk about this on the show. Uh, I have a little whiteboard by my desk that I write notes on, and um, I just wrote down Thoror. Thoror. I see. The accent makes it tough. I get Thor. Thoror. Thoror. Yeah, like I, horror with Thor. Thor. Gotcha. <laughs> and I'm just like. I think Al Ewing has, has given us enough here on the show that I can give that one to him for free. Uh, so if you if you don't see him using it, 
to describe this book. Like you, then you, I guess, you know, he just doesn't like me, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like this is a, this is a really interesting book. There's also a really good, uh, little back matter letter from Al Ewing, uh, about his like history as a, a fan of Thor and like reading secret wars when he was a kid. So, uh, I'm really curious to see where it goes and if it does wind up having that same kind of, of horror element to it, because this issue is certainly ominous. Yeah. But I don't think I would call it horror in the same way. Well, I, I think the big difference, cause I'm looking through it now and I'm, I'm going to read it maybe as soon as we finish recording this episode in immortal Hulk, the Hulk is not the object of horror, but he's an object of horror, right? He is among other horrific things, but he generates horror himself. It would appear, at least to this point, in Immortal Thor, that Thor is the subject of horror. Yeah, which I think he is... Really- uh, subjected to horror instead of generating it. Yeah, which is really interesting, I think, because it's part of what Ewing writes about in the back matter is this idea of like Thor is like Thor is a god. So the things that he fights, like, you know, amplify what Spider Man fights to the level of, you know, man v god and that is what thor should fight and i i really like that i really like that as the approach so having something that's like scary and ancient yeah elder gods yeah elder god stuff yeah yeah Yeah. but i i i don't want to say elder gods because i think that gives people a a an idea in their head of the type of story and I, I mean, it's accurate. It's accurate. There are literally elder gods in this story, but like you know, it's not about shapes. Yeah, it's not um, Lovecraftian at this point. Yeah, from what I can tell, it's uh, it's a different kind of thing. People try and tell me. Uh, th- people try and tell me H.P. Lovecraft. He's a master of horror. I ain't never been scared of a shape. <laughs> not once. <laughs> Triangle, rhombus, nothing does nothing for me. Not even a trapezoid. Trapezoid, trapezoid, Matt. That's a strong shape. I like trapezoid. It ain't scary at all. It ain't gonna fall over. It's got trap in the name. So, so does trapeze. I am scared of trapeze. <laughs> so, what would you like to talk about, Matt? Well, I would like to talk about. Uh, Incredible Hulk number three, which sets up Hulk and his like teen girl sidekick as a new dynamic. Hulk and the teen girl squad. Yeah. Hulk and his teen girl sidekick who get together after fighting a eldritch tentacle monster inside like a creepy old backwoods mountain church uh where hulk is talked about in 
like ancient religious terms. It's it's different from Immortal Hulk, but it is it is clearly attempting to be in the vein of Immortal Hulk mm-hmm. while doing a different thing. And I so far have really dug the kind of I don't know, almost B horror vibe of this Philip Kennedy Johnson run on Incredible Hulk so far. Yeah, man. Uh, you and I are a couple of dudes who do enjoy a little bit of Appalachian horror in our oh, yeah. lives. Oh yeah. And and this is it. This is this is doing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I I feel like my thing now is to compare everything to Berserk, <laughs> but there uh-huh. is a gutsy there is a gutsy quality to Hulk here. There, that, you know, there is. You're not. You are not mistaken about yeah. that for sure. Yeah, uh, that I do enjoy uh, quite a lot. Like he doesn't want to be bothered. Now he has not turned back around to us, the reader, with a tear in his eye yet. But he is kind of doing that thing where he's like, "Hey, buzz off! I don't want you here." Yeah. And his girl sidekick is like, "No." You can't tell me, you can't tell me I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I'm staying with you. I'm going to become strong like you. And, uh, that's good shit. The moment where they realize that, that Hulk realizes that they have a connection mm-hmm. is like extremely good. Like what the, the piece of dialogue that triggers it is, I really like it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and, uh, her name is Charlie, by the way. Uh, very good. I I am digging this run. Uh, it's 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 fun time. Speaking of a run, I'm digging. Uh, Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, number five. I didn't exactly put my finger on this when we talked about the early issues of this series, Chris. Mm-hmm. But this issue makes it abundantly clear that, um, like, we kind of theorized about maybe this is like a new take on the Legion or something like that, and it could be that. But by the time this issue ends, you're like, oh, this is Superboy in a Dragon Ball. Ooh, all right. You, you, Matt, you knew the magic words. Yes. I, I, reading this, I was like specifically thinking of you, Chris, and how much you would dig Superboy being in a Dragon Ball. Yeah, because it's, it's, that is pretty much... Gohan. Yeah. Yeah. And the villain of this arc, whose name is Trav with two V's. <laughs> <laughs> Love Trav with two V's. Is kind of he I don't know if I want to call him Vegeta, but he's definitely a Saiyan. Mm. Look at that motherfucker's haircut. Right, let me let me pop open. Because I, I, I'm an issue or two behind. I think I'm two issues behind on this. Yeah. Uh, but let, let me see. Let me see Trav here. I mean, I'll tell you what. Connell is rocking some some spiky hair in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Connell is is looking sort of Saiyan-ish too. But fucking Trav. I mean, he basically has Vegeta's hair. Like, Boy, that is, that, is, that is Vegeta. That is a Vegeta. Yeah. And 
there is a version of going Super Saiyan that happens <laughs> at the end of this issue. Oh man, I do, buddy. I do like that. Yeah, uh, Kenny Porter is the writer. Uh, Janoy Lindsay is doing all the art. And if you like the idea of Superboy in a Dragon Ball, um, check out this book, folks. I'll tell you this: if you're writing comics out there and you find out that the artist that you're working with is into Dragon Ball, leverage that. <laughs> that work for you. All right, Chris, that's going to wrap up our comics review segment, which means it's time to get raw. Ooh, baby. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. All right, Chris, the Thursday Night Raw sheet is open. We currently have 27 rawest moments in comics ranked. And let's see if we can add another one via this submission from Brad Ellison who initially sent us three moments, but then when we said it needs to just be one, narrowed it down to this moment. The climax of Preacher, when Jesse Custer confronts Cassidy outside the Alamo and tells him, when the time comes, boy, you better fight fight like hell. Right before kicking the absolute living shit out of him. Yeah, bud. (laughs) Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Yeah. <laughs> there's I think there's a there's a lot like I I said it on the show before that I I thought there was potential for Garth Ennis to run this list. Yeah, I mean there's still potential for that. <laughs> yeah, like we, we are young yet and yeah. it could happen. But there there's a lot in preacher specifically that I think I can think of two really, really big ones from Preacher. And one this one is, of them we have talked about on the show before. One of them was prominently featured in the Word Heavyweight Champions list. Yeah. But it's also raw. It's raw that, as fuck. That's, that's a moment that is both an amazing quote and fucking raw. Uh, this is a better raw moment than a quote. But it's this is number two of the two I would immediately think of from Preacher. Yeah, I, I, I do want to like make sure that everybody knows that when he tells Cassidy you better fight like hell, he's using the voice on him. Yes, yes. He's impelling him with the power of God. Brad put the text in red. Nice. That's in that's that, you know that's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want to get your shit over. Put in a nice touch like that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you'll help your case. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, it, it's, it's fucking raw, dude. Like, we've said it. That, like, there's... I don't think it's the only way for something to be raw. But I think the easiest way, and maybe the best way for something to be raw, is... For for you to be like, oh, the shit is about to go down. Yeah. I, I, we've said before that a moment can be raw without context, right? It, it doesn't necessarily matter what has happened before or what has happened after. 
the moment can be raw on its own. However, this moment is so much more raw because of how absolute how much of an absolute shit Cassidy is before this. Yeah. Real piece of shit. You want to see this dude get his ass kicked. Yeah, and the, and the thing of like not only is like it's the very Garth Ennis thing of like Cassidy's a fucking piece of shit, but he's a fucking piece of shit because he, that's all he believes he can be. Yeah. And like he's he's given up on himself. And so Jesse Custer got to beat the man back into him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that that probably sounded more gender essentialist than I meant it. Uh but yeah, like he's you got to beat the human being back into him. Yeah, he's got to beat the the life back into him, I suppose, yeah. even though he's a vampire. Brad also uh, interestingly made the point that um, the Alamo, I don't know that Garth Ennis necessarily knows this. Uh-huh. Garth Ennis has presumably visited the Alamo. But like, the Alamo is not like out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It's in the the middle of uh, San Antonio. It's in the middle of San Antonio in an extremely touristy area. And the way Brad puts it is them getting into a fight at the Alamo is like brawling in the middle of Disneyland's Main Street USA. Which would also rule. Which would also rule, yeah. But it's just like like it's, it's in this story for the symbolism of, you know, having a fight at the Alamo. But it is very funny. (laughs) It's like down the street from Ripley's Believe It or Not, and they're having this fight. (laughs) Like, a thing that I appreciate about Garth Ennis, like genuinely, this isn't like no irony or or sarcasm in it. Garth Ennis loves to write about America and has like an understanding of America as an outsider. Yeah. Because you like... If for some reason you missed it, he's Irish. Uh, but the like, he is someone who writes about the country where I live from the perspective of primarily experiencing it through its mythology, right? It's which like I think makes kind of invaluable as a writer. It's an America of myth. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it in in preacher like it's literally like. You know, the John Wayne movie, America. Yeah, I mean, notably in the issue before this happens, in the issue before Jesse tells Cassidy, you better fight like hell. There's an extended sequence of the ghost of John Wayne giving Jesse a pep talk. Yeah. (laughs) It's... I, I also, like, genuinely love that the the ghost of John Wayne is like Jesse Custer's imaginary John Wayne. So he's not like mega racist, you know, like, like it's, it's all like the, the mythology of it yeah. all. Yeah. Genuinely. I think is like, it makes preacher a really interesting book. It makes Punisher a really interesting book. I think like, and this is a, an interesting writer. Um, I kind of, my, the stuff that Ennis does that I find 
least interesting is when he is writing about, like, you know, Ireland. Like, that stuff's still good. And, like, you know, who doesn't love Judge Joyce? I don't love Judge Joyce. Uh, but, you know? But, like, Hitman? Like, Hitman's all about America, you know? Yeah. The, my least favorite in his stuff is probably war comics. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the the stuff where he's writing about, like, yeah, the mythology of America is always good. And what I really love about this particular thing that Brad has has submitted here is that it's not like Jesse says, when the time comes, you better fight like hell, and then he throws a punch. They sit and finish their drinks at the bar. Jesse's just letting him know. When the time comes, you better fight like hell. And, and he says it with the voice. And, and then they continue to finish their drinks. And then Jesse gives him a time. Like, they're not at the Alamo at that point. And, and then Jesse gives him a time and a place. And he says, I'll be at the Alamo. I'll be in front of the Alamo at 5 a.m. Don't make me come look- off. Yeah. Don't make me come looking for you. Yeah, man. Like and then in the next issue is when they have their actual fight. Yeah, he 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 there's so much weight to it. Yeah. He lets it be heavy on him. Oh, the shit's good, man. Shit's real good. Shit's real good. And then, you know what happens? They beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And and we get one of my favorite fucking shown and ass tropes, which is the guy who's, you know, a vampire. He's a predator. He's stronger and faster than everybody. So he's never had to work for it. Versus the guy who's been fucking scrapping since he was three. Like, whew, that's good. Like, this motherfucker beat up TC and Jody. You you think you think you're gonna do something to him? Yeah, she really beats up TC and Jody is fucking rad too. Yeah, I, I I think it's maybe a bit of an overstatement to say that they beat the shit out of each other. Like Jesse gets hit a couple of times. Cassidy gets wrecked. Well, Cass- Cassidy at the end of the fight, he he gets like the one. Basically, he gets like you know the post match hit. On on yeah. Jesse, yeah, and he, then he, he gets his suckers him, yeah, and then he gets his redemptive moment uh, yeah. after that. But uh, it's it's yeah, man, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, man, there's a lot in preacher that makes it hard to recommend now. Um, you got to get a lot of get through a lot of arse face content, a lot of arse face content. There's a lot of arse face content, um, but when it's good, it's good. When it's good, it's it's about as good as comics can be. Yeah. Sometimes, and fucking, it's, like, it's unfortunate that it's so steeped in like bad '90s mature comics stuff. Uh, yeah. But when it's good, it's good. Uh, by the way, we haven't really talked about Steve Dillon. The the look on Jesse like I'm not I am not even looking at this comic right now 
Mm-hmm. But I can picture like the look on Jesse's face. It it's better with the words. It's better with the dialogue, and it's better that you know that he's using the voice. You almost don't need it. Like it sells it for sure. It, yeah. Like that is a man who was about to kick his former friend's ass. Like Dylan, I feel like is always talked about for like the kind of realistic gruesomeness of the violence he drew, mm-hmm. which he did. Yeah, buddy. But there was also a level of facial acting in his art that few others had. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had like a Kevin Maguire level facility with faces. Definitely. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where, where are we putting this on the list? It's definitely going on the list. Oh yeah. It's raw as hell. It's, it's raw as hell. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, in terms of being raw. Yeah. Like it, I think it's probably more raw than it. it I, I think the floor is uh, Captain UK uh, beating up the Fury for yeah. 10 minutes. Here's what my gut says my gut says it's not more raw than the th- top three. But it, up the sword is pretty fucking raw, though, dude. I think it might be more raw than Balder taking up the sword. I think it might go at number four. They're close. They're close. It's pretty good. I mean, I'd like, mm, I, okay. All right. All right. Walt Simonson and Garth Ennis battling it out. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be a list of just those two, those two writers. <laughs> For real, real. All right, we ready to move on to the next one? Uh, we are ready to move on to the next one, yes. That's, what number, what issue is that? That's Preacher number what? It's number 64. Yeah. Number 64. The You Better Fight Like Hell is in 64. The fight itself is in 65. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Our next submission comes to us from Stephen Wilcox, who is submitting the second moment from Daniel Warren Johnson's Do a Powerbomb. Okay. Our first moment from Do a Powerbomb is at number 10, number 9 on the list, in which Cobra Sun pulls out the plunder. This moment is... From do a power bomb, I think it's number five. It might be number. Let's see. I'll, I'll make sure, but it is the moment where Lona, Steel Rose, and Cobra Sun hit the Sword Sunrise and make God bleed. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a I, pretty good comic. Oh, it's in number seven. It's in number. It's in the last issue. It's in number seven. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. Is it more raw? Is that more raw? Or is the reveal of the opponent, the final opponent being God, more raw? 
I don't know. It is pretty. It's pretty fucking raw when they make God bleed. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't feel like the reveal that the final opponent is God is necessarily raw. I think it's pretty raw. Yeah, I, I see. I, I don't like. It's exciting, but I don't think it's raw in the way that 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 like the fight is raw. Like to me that like them having to have a tag team wrestling match with God. Well, I guess a handicap match against God. Yeah. It's a two on one handicap match. Yeah. That's just the natural extension of what that comic is. So yeah, they, okay. What's great is the whole sequence. So they come out, they, they get God in the, in the setup for the move, Lona comes off the top with the the clothesline, and they take God down. And then Cobra Sun does the power bomb, and then they both pin God. The and the ref gets to a one count, and then God flings them both off after one, mm-hmm. and then it's revealed, like at the bottom of the next page that there's just a tiny dip drip of blood coming from God's nose. Okay. Th- yeah. That's just raw as hell. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's real good. I would say, I, w- I would say that it is probably the, the best uh, wrestling match involving God since uh, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I would say that. Yeah, Jacob you, uh, versus God. Of course, that was a seven star MOTY. Do you? Th- yeah, I was gonna say. Do you think God? The, the work rate back then was a lot slower. <laughs> work rate was a lot slower, but I mean, Matt, like the conditioning that was a, that was a eight hour Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> this is you ask Jim Ross the ti- the time limit draw can be used to great effect. That's true. I no, I love a time limit draw. I love a time limit draw. Do not front. I love a time limit draw. Uh but this thing where they make God bleed, this shit's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty gosh darn good. Yeah. Also the uh the uh the steel sunrise itself is a rad move. Oh, it's a great move. It's it is a doomsday device with a power bomb. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Would you think anybody was watching this being like, super god? I guess. <laughs> Lol, god, Lol, wins. god wins. Yeah, yeah. God's five moves of doom. <laughs> uh. P- Pillars of Golgotha again? Sure. Yeah. Five moves, if you count the hair flip. If God wins, we riot. <laughs> oh, sometimes it's just for you and me, man. <laughs> uh, okay. Does, I guess the question is, is this one above or below the other do a powerbomb moment we have on the list? I mean, it's... They make God bleed. I think it's above. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Cobra Sun pulling out the plunder—that's dope. But I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, I think it's above, but I don't think it's that far above, because I don't think it goes above Thanos asking Ben Grimm what time it is. I mean, if we're if if we're doing everything from hitting the sword sunrise to the reveal at the end of the page that God is bleeding, like the way that Daniel Warren Johnson draws the sword sunrise with the like the fucking name of the move etched onto the page and then the sunrise part like in the background uh-huh. like that's a gorgeous fucking page dude and that's oh, it's, so good it's, it's beautiful okay all right then well are we including the fucking two-page spread where the crowd like the the arena is exploding as the announcer is shouting that they made god bleed yeah i think we have to yeah. The 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 bit where God kicks out and it says on the page on the in panel kick out is also unbelievable. Can we can we just uh take a moment to appreciate how funny it is that the pillars of Golgotha uh God's finishing move is is a two-winged angel. It's a two-winged angel, yeah. It's an avalanche two-winged angel and no one's ever kicked out of that. Is God Kenny Omega? <laughs> is Kenny Omega God? All good questions. I, we know, I, we I, know who the devil is. Yeah. Oh, we know that nobody's on the level of the devil. I'm trying to see if God at any point does a V-trigger. No, but, some, but uh, Beta Ray Bill did a V-trigger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is good. This is good. Okay, I could put it above... Thanos asking Ben Grimm what time it is, but not Spider-Man lifting the heavy thing. I mean, it's good, though. It's good, but it's, it like, is not as good as Spider-Man doing the thing. It's not as good as Spider-Man doing the thing, but, like, is it more raw than Spider-Man doing the thing? <sighs> I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. All right. All right. I mean, I think I it's the new number. okay with that. I think it's the new number eight. <sighs> All right. The new number eight. They make so, God bleed. Cobra Sun and Lona Steel Rose make God bleed. Is the new number eight? It it is unassailable, unassailably raw. Oh, it's a, no question, no question that it's raw. There was no question that that was on the list. About if if someone were ask, to ask me to define raw, I might show them that. I'd be like, what you should show them is Scourge standing alone at Gallibrew because that's currently the top of the list. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like that requires this. Okay, so I talked about Preacher, that Preacher moment being made better by context, right? And it's not that this isn't good in context or, or more effective in context, but I do think you could show someone this specific thing totally out of context. And they would know it's raw. Oh, I fully agree. I fully agree with you. This is the best example of totally raw without having had to have read any of the rest of the, of the book. Like, just say, that's God, and they did that to him. And it's like, yeah, that's raw as hell. Uh, just be like, yeah, that's God. Had to do it to him. Had to do it to him. Had to do it to him. 
There is very little to me that is as funny as Orange Cassidy tweeting, sometimes you gotta do it, every time he has a title defense. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta do it. That shit's funny. Sometimes you gotta do it. Orange Cassidy, the babyface promo of a lifetime this week. I haven't seen it yet. You gotta go see it. You gotta see Orange Cassidy's promo, if nothing else, from the show. Uh, All right, here's our next submission from Ryan Clark. Johnny uh, Ghost Rider, 2006, volume, I don't know what the volume is, issue 25, by uh, Jason Aaron and Tan Ing Huat. Johnny Blaze beats the deacon to shit with the Bible. Oh yeah, that shit owns. (laughs) Yeah, that shit owns. That whole run on Ghost Rider owns, by the way. The Jason Uh, Aaron run on Ghost Rider, yeah. Yeah, that's where, that's the first time I read Jason Aaron comics and I was like, Oh, this guy gets it. This guy knows what the fuck is up. Because that's the run that has the fucking orb in it. And it's got, like, the Smokey and the Bandit Ghost Riders. <laughs> like, that has got the Smokey and the Bandit Ghost Riders. This issue? That volume is, is volume six, by the way. Volume, Ghost Rider volume six. This issue is a dang hoot and holler. Because it's, uh, it's, it's the Deacon, who is a... Uh, super uh, evangelical Christian serial killer who's like a big dude. Mm-hmm. Like, Kevin Nash would play him. Um, And he's like, obviously, a bad, like, terrible dude. Like, he beheads multiple people in this comic. Um, And he's trying to fight the Ghost Rider. And then uh, they they go to a, like, he, I think they're in a prison and he gets knocked into the chapel. They're in a prison, yes. yes. And old, old Johnny Blaze, uh, he Deacon's going to stab him with a, these these magic knives that he has, and he just grabs the handiest thing that he can, which is the Bible. And it turns out that the Deacon won't the Deacon won't hit the Bible, like he won't stab him through it because it's the Bible. And he goes, "Drop that this instant! The Bible is not a weapon." And Johnny Blaze goes, "The hell you say!" And then beats that man to death with the Bible. It's a big Bible, by the way. That is, yeah, it is a big Bible. It's yeah. it's like the size of Ghost Rider's torso. Yeah, it's large print, very large print. Yeah, I I don't know that I've ever in person seen a Bible that big, but that I have been doesn't mean a, they don't exist. I've been to exactly one Catholic service in my life, and I have. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> Uh, it was Easter too. I think they brought out the big one. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Uh, so the rest of the dialogue through that sequence, as Ghost Rider is beating the hell out of the deacon with the Bible, is the deacon goes, "Wait, you can't!" And Ghost Rider says, "Tell me how to get to him. Tell me how to get to Zed Keel. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me." And then Ghost Rider beats him with that Bible until it is tatters. And the deacon goes, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like in like in the Bible. Just like in the Bible, like that one guy. I feel like if you read like Avengers, 
you I, I don't think you would necessarily know that Jason Aaron was from the South. But if you read Ghost Rider <laughs> if you read Ghost Rider, you'd be like, oh, Alabama's own Jason Aaron? Yeah, there th- read any of Jason Aaron's independent comics and you will know read the goddamned and that dude is from the south (laughs) yeah i i feel like ghost rider is the most southern he ever gets though and it's like 2006 man it made me believe i could do it you know (laughs) uh but yeah like that shit is raw that's good suggest a list placement for me here I mean, like, I don't think it's as raw as the other things we've discussed this evening. Nor do I. But like those things, it was something that I knew off the top of my head that's been in there for quite some time. Yeah. Um, Well, our other Ghost Rider moment is when he rides Thor's hammer and kicks him in the face with his motorcycle. I think it's above that. I think it's above Batman getting ready to fight the Martians, but below Batman versus Prometheus round two. That would make it the new number 13. Yeah. An appropriate spot for Ghost Rider. The new number 666. <laughs> Have to be on the Every Story Ever list for that. Here's who's showing up on the Every Story Ever list. Do a Powerbomb, Walt Simonson, Garth Ennis, and Ghost Rider. All checks out. Also, All checks probably out. the best 10 Engelhot art. It's good, yeah. I I I didn't want to say it. Um, I think the art maybe kind of detracts from the rawness. Just it does, little. but I mean, compared to some of the other stuff that Tanning Hot has done in the past, like I I don't want to be rude. He has ruined comics before. Yeah, like yeah. his stuff on X Men was atrocious. The Ghost yeah. Rider stuff, I think, whether it's it it works with his style or he's he's trying something different, like it's much better. And I think it's, the exaggerated proportions really work well. Yeah, it I think it works for this story better than other stuff. I I wish perhaps a different artist had drawn this issue, because I just you know, you imagine what could have been. But uh but it it's it's certainly not bad. It's certain certainly still raw. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it goes. Uh, next up is a submission from Philip Monroe, who says, "How about Cyclops going? I want this thing off my lawn, taking off his visor, and just destroying that Sentinel in Astonishing X Men number eight. That's I don't know, man. I want to rank a Joss Whedon comic. Here's the thing. Yeah. You know, I don't... People can like whatever they like. People can enjoy whatever jokes they want to enjoy. But personally, from my personal perspective, my least favorite kind of joke is... A get off my lawn joke. I mean, no, it's not my least favorite. There are other jokes I dislike more that are extremely harmful and offensive. But but a, a joke I have never found funny is get off my lawn. 
as like shorthand shorthand for being I don't know like cantankerous and old. I I've never quite gotten it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I I would say I don't know. I just don't feel like I don't feel like putting it on the list. But I will say that like what sells this more than the moment is the John Cassidy art. Well, I it's that yes. panel that's like a big panel that is all red and then a just red of Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. The, the the panel that's just red is the part that's really good. Yeah. And then it shows the aftermath with the destroyed Sentinel. But I also don't quite think it makes the list. The, the, we have a quorum, Matt. The line, the I want this thing off my lawn line it does not it just comes off as hack, hackneyed to me i i feel like there's stuff in that run that that we would be like i mean i'm not saying send this one in but like when cyclops just shows up and he's got his grand morrison jacket on that was like i was like oh all right that's that's a cyclops we're going to deal with now okay <laughs> i mean <laughs> But that would imply that, like, we should just be raking stuff from New X Men instead of this. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, he does he does it in that run. Like, he he put like he's got his his little superhero costume on, and then some shit goes down, and, and the Cyclops who's been to the Black Bug Room shows up again. That's pretty good. But yeah, I don't wanna, but I don't even want to talk about it, honestly. Oh, this dialogue. I it it I feel like I liked it more at the time, but I read it now and it's just so I t- so so, like, so uh, Joss Whedon. Yeah, like hack is probably too strong of a word, but it's there's so many cliches. You know what I mean? Like. It, it, I don't like it. <laughs> to to be fair, to be fair, if there is a book where cliches are going to work in sex, man, because <laughs> let me tell you, man, no quarter was asked, none given. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next submission uh, is from Daniel Sylvester, and it is from Invasion Number One by Keith Giffen, Bill Mantlo, Todd McFarlane, and all. It is when the... Say what you're going to say. Invasion. Invasion. That's that's how you do it, baby. You want to do a crossover? Three 80-page giants. That's it. The moment is when the front page of the Daily Planet told the invaders to drop dead. That fucking owns. Specifically, Earth 2 invaders drop dead. Yeah, that shit rules. (laughs) <laughs> it gets the point across. Yeah, because like the fucking okay. So invasion, if you don't know, uh, was the uh, the big DC crossover of eighty seven, eighty eight. Uh, it's it's uh, after Crisis. I'll check and make sure. Uh, it's probably eighty eight. It was around that time period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's all the it's all the evil aliens in the DC universe invading all at once. So it's it's the cones. Yeah. It's uh, with, with, with a D in it, they weren't thinking it through when they made that one, but it's it's the Kuns. 
the Daxamites. The Dominators. The Dominators. Dominators are the big one. Yeah, the, the cover of the first issue is Earth in the hand of a Dominator. Of Jim Shooter's own, the Dominators. Yeah, yeah. Jim Shooter's own, so racist that you don't realize it's racist. <laughs> like, it takes you a minute. <laughs> they all invade Earth at the same time, basically. They, they form an alliance and they're going to kill Earth, and so they demand the surrender. And then at the end of that first issue... Uh, Jimmy Olsen rocks up into Perry White's office and he's like, here we go. And uh, and then you see it. This is the last page of the first issue is the extra daily planet. Earth to invaders drop dead. That's just good. Do you think they read that newspaper? The invaders? Well, I mean, it was 25 cents. so So they could afford it. I mean, that's they would a, have to exchange their currency, but they could afford it. That's in nineteen eighty-eight dollars. That's so, right. So that's like that's probably like sixty bucks now. Yeah. Earth to invaders drop dead. I mean, it's good. Like, it is the thing Perry White and Jimmy Olsen can do. Right? Yeah, yeah. I kind of love that, though. <laughs> Like, they got one thing they can do, man. And they're going to do it. Because yeah. you know what? In the words of Orange Cassidy, sometimes you got to do it. I, the, the Jimmy Perry dialogue is pretty good right up to there. Uh, where Perry White goes, Olsen, you got it? Uh, hot off the presses, Mr. White. And the staff, well, they've asked you if you care to share a toast with them, Chief. Perry White goes, a toast for printing this story, Jimmy? No, it's the politicians we should be toasting. For once, they've shown some backbone, done the right thing. And I, for one, have never been prouder to print any story. So sure, I'll raise a glass with the staff. We'll drink to victory, as even as we stand on the edge of defeat. And that's when it shows. Uh, Earth to invaders drop dead. And Perry White goes, but by Caesar, at least we stand united. Uh, this is the only uh, DC comic Bill Mantlo ever wrote, which, uh, you know, is a subject for another time. But like with Keith the, Giffen, but yeah, the kind of Mantlo trick of like just doing the thing that's so obvious. And I, like, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like it's so it's like it's. Like just what should happen, right? Yeah, it's obvious because it's the thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like he he does that a lot, and I I really appreciate it. Sometimes sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to do it. Uh, I don't think it's like in the way in the same way that we like we were like yeah this is on the list but it's the bottom of the list. I don't know if this is like super raw. Like I, I almost wish I. I am of the opinion that there probably shouldn't be like any cussing in DC comics. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of wish it was like Earth to Invaders. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> hey, you invaders. Fuck off. Logan Roy over here. Yeah. Oh man, where was where was. Brian Cox, when it was time to play Perry White. Buddy, call me chief. 
that's a that's some good ass casting. Shit. Brian Not Cox and Barry White. God damn. We love we love Brian Cox. We do. It's great at those McDonald's commercials. It's you gotta work, man. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Earth to Invaders. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. That's what it would be today. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fox News would be like, Earth to Invaders, we love you. <laughs> Are the invaders really so bad? Yeah, like I'm looking I'm looking towards the bottom of the list. Yeah. I think that's uh, probably Correct. I don't. Th- I think Aztec blowing up Mageddon is better. I think Hulk throwing blade is maybe not as raw. Okay, then it's the new number thirty. Earth two invaders drop dead from invasion number one. Uh, I think we have time, possibly for one more. I don't think we can. Rank well, maybe we can rank this one because I think you've read this, Chris. Okay. Uh, this is from Sean Bell. This moment is from Chapter Four of My Love Story. That's a good comic. In which Takeo, after having run into a burning building to save two of Ms. Yamato's friends, is pinned under falling debris and almost resigns himself to death until he is motivated by the power of love to free himself, explode out of a window, and land below, before giving his girlfriend a triumphant thumbs-up while still on fire. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, man. Like, you have not read uh, My Love Story. I have correct? not. No. Okay. I have not. I mean, it's, I mean, it's good. Like, the the bit is that, like... There's a really big dude who's like a high schooler who looks like he's 40 and he's like on the judo team as like a super heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, falls in love with this like really, really tiny, sweet girl. And the, the bit is that like he has a best friend who is a beautiful man. And all of like he always uh, all the girls like him, but he never dates them because they're all mean to uh, his big friend. It's a small buddy and a big friend. Right, yeah. You know? But she's like the first girl to like really be in love with him. It's very sweet. I like it a lot. I, I was a big fan of it back in the Comics Alliance days. Um, but yeah, they, they pull shit like this out, and it's very fun. It's very, very fun. It might be romantic. Because <laughs> I don't know if it's... like I, I think a thing can be funny and be raw. And I think a thing can be like comedic and made like, I think, you know, Mr. Miracle and, uh, big Barda saying that they were going to, going to beat, uh, granny goodness to, to death from the inside. Yeah. The most romantic thing that's ever happened in superhero comics. Mm-hmm. That's still pretty fucking raw. That's like, romantic. That's romantic. Isn't it romantic? Yes. But I do feel like, it doesn't get me hype in the same way because I think it's like it's 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 meant for laughs, and not in like a not in like a mocking way, but like it's it's a you know my love story is a comedy, and so I I'm not saying it's not raw, 
but I don't think it's going to be on a list of rawest moments of all time. That's fair. The, the I, fact I, that he I don't think they're on the wrong up. track. The fact that he gives the thumbs up while still on fire is pretty. No, it, it's. I here's what I will say: it owns. Uh-huh. It's rad. It rules. I don't. I don't feel the rawness in my heart. Mm, you got to feel the raw in your heart. You got like r- like raw is not a primarily heart based emotion. Raw raw is like a gut based emotion. And I feel like this is this is very much a heart based, the uh, heart based scene. Mm. Okay, it's not bad. I don't think you're on the wrong, wrong track, dear listener. I th- I think you are. I, I think you. I don't think you are mistaken to suggest that this is raw, because I think you could probably talk me into it. But I don't think that is its its primary attribute. He's showing his devotion through action. I mean, it's more like just he's just a really good guy who is on fire. Well, he he says, uh, don't cry for me. Please smile. Nothing is worse than seeing you cry. You don't have to worry about me. Yamato, I, I'm alive. I'm going to live and make Yamato happy. And that's when he s- jumps through the window. Out of the building. I mean, it's pretty good. He, we do like it when a guy lifts some shit up. That's true. I don't know, man. I I I would say I would say that we can maybe classify this one. Put an asterisk on this one, and and, and we'll say this is this is romantic. Yeah, romantic. And but that I think would be have to be another list. Very high on the list of most romantic moments. Under the Mr. Miracle Big Barter, Big Barda moment, but up there on the romantic list. Don't get it twisted and think, uh, oh, I better not send this in. It's a romantic moment. S- send in the romance. We we are, in the words of the Batman, of Batman the movie, we are lovers of action Lovers of adventure and lovers of all sorts. Romance. Send in the romance. That'll be next February, a special episode. <laughs> uh, all right. We're out of time, but since we had to end on something that did get ranked, I am going to give a tease for what we're going to rank next. Okay. Sent to us by Lou Shoemaker. Picture Wolverine in a sewer mm. looking up through the grates. Boy, that's it. And like, there's some there's some guys that took their shot. Mm-hmm. They took their best shot. Mm. And now, now Wolverine is indicating that it's his turn. Are you telling me it's it's a that those suckers? took their best shot uh-huh. and like maybe you were reading that comic you might have thought wolverine was fully dead because he just got dropped through a fucking like building yeah <sighs> clear the top of the list baby so prepare yourselves next time 
we rank raw moments. That's next. That's the next submission. Uh, so that shit come back. So raw, it changed comics. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. If you would like to send us a raw moment, don't send that one because someone already has. But if you would like to send us a different raw moment or an every story ever list or get in touch with us about other stuff with a listener question or something like that, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on uh, the bad website, formerly known as Twitter, at warrocketpod. We're on Blue Sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social. So go follow us over there if you're on Blue Sky. We're on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. And we have a Discord that is the best place to go chat about the show and get in touch with us and other stuff. Um, You have to be invited to be a member of our Discord, but ask us on any of the places we just I just mentioned, and uh, we'll get you a Discord invite. So go check that out. If you come to the Discord, you are not allowed to make fun of the way I say uh, Kane Marco's name. Remember that. That's a rule. That's a rule. I I will ban you from the server. <laughs> Is that a thing we can do? Can we ban people? I mean, we probably could. I will I'd, figure I'd out know. how to use Discord, and then I will ban you from the server. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done, so go check that out. Uh, warrocketwiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this show, War Rocket Ajax, so go check that out as well. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net. It's my webpage with links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do. So you can find all that stuff there. And you can find me, of course, here on War Rocket Ajax and a bunch of other podcasts, if you would like. That is going to do it for this episode, in which we extended the Thursday Night Raw list to 31 entries. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please join us next time. And we'll be back. Uh, But until then, do not forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops are not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!